open up the book of 1 Thessalonians. We looked at chapter 1. Uh, this week we're, uh, last year, this week we're uh, looking at chapter 2. Um, so hopefully you remember last year what I spoke about. But if you don't, I will remind you, it all happens in Acts chapter 17. Paul goes down to Thessalonica and he preaches the gospel in the synagogues over a period of three weeks. Three weeks teaching that Jesus is the Messiah, he's the king, the one who has died for our sins. And people become Christians. And while there are, there are some people who are hearing this message, seeing what's happened, and they're not happy. And so what they do, they form a mob, an angry mob, and they charge down to this man's house called Jason. He's a new convert. They're having a Bible study probably. They're thinking Paul is in the house. And they're going to drag out Paul. Paul's not there. So they drag Jason out and they chuck him in, give him to the authorities. They, they post bail for that day. That night, Paul leaves. He thinks, oh, it's probably not a good idea to stay. I'm going to leave. So Paul goes and he's left his church, his baby church, three weeks old, new Christians. Will they survive or will they die? And it's causing him anxiety. And so what he does, he sends Timothy back down to Thessalonica to check up on them. Timothy comes back to Paul with great news. These guys are not only surviving, they are thriving. But he also comes back with a, quite a concerning uh, report. Um, Rumours are going around about Paul's conduct. The, it's like a smear campaign that, that is aimed at Paul. But before we get into it, um, how about we pray and uh, we'll go step by step through this passage together. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we want to thank you. Thank you so much for this chapter where we can see so clearly Paul's conduct, that he can say that he was blameless, holy and righteous in the Thessalonican sight, that, that these guys... Uh, Paul's ministry was not a failure. And we pray today that as we read this passage that we would see the need for our character to be like Paul's in our ministries, um, in our our home life. Uh, So please, Holy Spirit, please convict us of this truth and change our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. And, and when we go through this passage, I want us to make sure that this applies to every single one of us here today. It's not just Paul, because he's got a preaching ministry. We're all in ministry together. It may be formal, it may be informal. But he also addresses our character as Christians. And so this applies to every single one of us here today. And if you're not a Christian here today... This is where you see, this is what Christians are supposed to be. And I want to apologise. You may have been burnt by uh, Christians that haven't lived up to, uh, in, in a, haven't lived in a holy manner. And so, um, judge, this is what Christians are supposed to be like in this chapter. Well, open up your Bibles, keep your Bibles open to chapter 2, verse 1. Chapter 2, verse 1. We'll read on, read on together. You know, brothers and sisters that our visit to you was not without results. We had previously been, we had previously suffered and had been treated outrageously in Philippi, as you know, 
but with the help of our God, we dared to tell you his gospel in the face of strong opposition. For the appeal we make does not spring from error or impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you. Go down to verse 5. Verse 5. You know we never used flattery, nor did we put on a mask to cover up greed. God is our witness. We were not looking for praise from people, not from you or anyone else. Even though as apostles of Christ, we could have asserted our authority. You've seen these, these pictures, these verses that we've looked at? Kind of get a glimpse of the, the sort of accusation that's levelled at Paul. Firstly, that his visit was a failure. It was without results. That in verse 3, it was full of error. Paul didn't know what he was talking about. He was wrong. He had impure motives. Now, when it says impure motives, it's referring to he had sexual impure motives. That he was trying to trick them. He was trying to deceive them. He was a charlatan. And in verse 5, that he was just flattering them. He was greedy, not, a, not only for money, he was greedy for the glory. This is the content, the slander that is thrown at Paul. And in, report, in response, Paul says, you know my visit was, was not without results. It was not a failure. And the first reason that Paul gives to say that his visit was not a failure was the very fact that he turned up at Thessalonica. Now you may be thinking, well, just turning up doesn't make something a success. But for Paul, we need to consider his situation. In Acts chapter 16, when he was at Philippi, he was treated horrifically. He was flogged. He was beaten up. He was humiliated, abused. And if if that was me, I would have been out for the count. You, you kind of look at this and you think, Paul, you should be out for the count at this moment. This is terrible. Experiencing such shameful treatment, you'd just want to curl up into a ball, wouldn't you? Chuck in the towel. It's just too hard. We've got to put ourselves in Paul's feet. If you experience this, how would you respond? I remember being uh, at university, at Newcastle University. Uh, just become a Christian, one year old as a Christian, and um, the lady that lived on top of me um, upstairs was a lady called Emma, really staunch atheist, and uh, I thought we were friends, go up there one day to have a chat, and she starts attacking me. It starts humiliating me in, about what I believed as a Christian, belittling me. And I was shocked, I didn't know that Christians were treated like this by some people and so I left the room went back downstairs and being the sensitive guy that I was I couldn't help but cry I, I was crying because I was shocked at the treatment that I was receiving so here in this passage Paul is treated horrifically at Philippi and yet he continues on to go to Thessalonica and he preaches the gospel he had thick skin he was thick skinned See, how will you respond when people at work find out that you're a Christian, that, uh, you, that they find out where you stand on certain, on certain issues in, in politics, 
for example, or, or ethics, whatever, whatever it may be, you know, where they, they humiliate you, belittle you, how will you stand? Will you shy away from what you believe? Or will you be like Paul, thick-skinned and continue on? See, despite the hatred, Paul in verse 2, just keep your Bibles open, let's have a look at verse 2 again. He says, But with the help of our God, we dared to tell you his gospel in the face of strong opposition. In In the ESV it says, We had boldness in God. We were bold in God. Friends, will you be bold in God? Will you take courage in God when you are belittled, when you're humiliated because you're a Christian? I've been reading a a bit about uh, the Christians in North Korea recently and I just want to read you a little little article of one, a a testimony from uh, a Christian man in North Korea. It goes like this. North Korea is still a very dark country and the people suffer day in, day out. But you have to know that never before have I seen so many North Koreans come to faith as nowadays. One believer was arrested when the police found a Bible in his home. He was badly beaten and imprisoned. A Christian friend of his said, I've known this man for a long time. When he came to faith, he made a decision that one day he would die for Christ. Every Christian in North Korea has made that choice. My friend that knew that one day he, he, he would get caught, he could get caught, and on that day he had to be loyal to Jesus. I'm convinced that he can take the suffering because he constantly reminds himself of the joy that is set before him. See, it's inspiring, isn't it? Christians around the world who are firmly sticking to the truth of, of what they believe in Christ. And Paul says that the first reason uh, his visit was not a phase, the very fact that he turned up. Let's go to his, the second offence in this passage about his character. Paul moves on uh, in addressing in this letter the specifics of this accusation, this smear campaign, the things that I mentioned before, that he's full of error, that he's, he's sexually impure, he's got, he uses flattery, he was in it for money. But he says in response, verse 4, have a look in verse 4 with me. On the contrary, we speak of those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We are not trying to please people, but God, who tests our hearts. See, in response to these accusations, Paul is nothing like what, what, is, what these guys are, are throwing at him. He is approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. He's not a people pleaser. He's a God pleaser because... God is the one who ultimately tests his heart. This is the second thing we want to gather in today's passage. If you're a Christian here today, God has approved you. He's entrusted you. It's like he's handing over this precious gift to you, not to only to receive this precious gift, 
to, but to hand on this precious gift. You know, we're all receivers of the gospel, the great news of forgiveness of sins in Jesus Christ. But we need to pass it on. We need to pass it on. And I think this is why Paul was so uh, determined to go from Philippi to Thessalonica is because he knew that he needed to pass this message on. He needed to pass the message on. And I think this is why um, when, when this lady, Emma, abused me, um, humiliated me for being a Christian, that I cried. Because I was too, too, too much invested in pleasing people rather than pleasing God. I was not finding my security or my significance in God, but I was finding it in people. Friends, as Christians, our security and our significance comes from God. And that is a motivation to keep on preaching the gospel. Defence number three. Third defence. Paul was known intimately by the Thessalonians. You know, these accusations that he was this, that and the other couldn't be further of the truth because these Thessalonians knew him. He shared his life with them. So have a look in verse 7 and 8 with me. Verse 7 and 8. Instead, we were like young children among you. Just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you because we loved you so much. We were delighted to share not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. See, Paul was a child among them. He was like a nursing mother to them, gentle, nurturing, tender, protective. In the ESV, beautiful words. They use, he was affectionately desirous. Of them, I don't think we have those. We don't say that we're affectionately desirous of people, but so rich, affectionately desirous of them. It's it's more than just care. He couldn't help but share his life with them. These accusations, these this smear came, the smear campaign, rubbish, absolute rubbish. And the Thessalonians know it. If Paul was a fake, he would have been seen in his life. He wouldn't have even been, he wouldn't have been turned up to Thessalonica. Paul was not only like a child, he was not only like a mother, he was also like a father. Take a look in verse 11 with me. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. He also conducted himself with the firmness of a father, exhorting, encouraging, comforting, challenging. And this firmness, this this father figure has a goal. He's like a father, Because there's a goal that he wants them to achieve. Have a look in verse 11 again. For you know that we dealt with you, each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you 
into his kingdom. Do you know, if you're a Christian here today, God is calling you into, into his kingdom and glory. This is what he's doing every day. He's calling you daily. This is your destination. And we're to follow. We're to walk in a manner worthy of this calling. To live the way that is acceptable to, acceptable to God as he calls us into his kingdom. In essence, he wants us to be able to say that the same things that he says in verse 10. He says, in verse 10, he says that thou, he was holy, righteous, and blameless. Friends, I don't know about you, but so often my life is unholy, unrighteous, and I'm to blame. And we need to change, turn, because God is calling us into the kingdom. We need to be holy, righteous, and blameless. Christ has made us these things through his death and resurrection. And so we are to live this way, to be holy, righteous, and blameless. Well, now, um, at, at our church up at Kempsey, you've got a Kempsey Presbyterian up, 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 up there. Over the last couple of years, we've been going through a, um, a vision process. You know, what, our, what we're all about. We're figuring out what's our mission, what's our vision. And we're at this stage of implementing uh, our vision. Um, where we're figuring out, okay, what mis- ministries do we invest in? And, and, and as, as I preach this sermon back up there, I, I wanted the church to grab this passage and have it as a motivation for their ministries, whether it's formal, informal. But not only their ministries, their lives. The, their character would be holy, righteous and blameless. That they'd be thick-skinned. That they would continue to preach the gospel despite humiliated, being humiliated. Friends, wouldn't it be great if people would know us by our character? That we could say the same kind of things that Paul says. That we share our lives with each other but because we are affectionately desirous of each other. Wouldn't it be great if we represented Christ in a holy, righteous and blameless way? Knowing all along the goal of this, the goal of this is the fact that God, every day, God is calling us into his kingdom and glory. And that we would pray that nothing gets in the way of this. How about we pray now that we would pray that we would be like this. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we, we thank you so much for this passage to see how we are to live as Christians. That we too would be holy, righteous and blameless. That we too would be so firm on what we believe. That when we are humiliated or belittled, that we would stand firm, knowing that we are being called into your kingdom. Lord, we want to thank you for Jesus. We want to thank you that he died for our sin, that we are forgiven, that we are accepted into your kingdom and glory. In Christ's name, amen.